Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. The book of Ephesians is actually a letter to Christians, first at the uh, church at Ephesus, but it was probably a circular letter that went to other congregations too. And the, um, the message in the book of Ephesians is an instruction to worship God and to be of one mind and to be a forgiving people and a reconciling people. It's a book that speaks of um, guidance of how to be a Christian in the day in and day out of ordinary life. Our scripture for the Ephesians this morning is actually wisdom scripture. It tells us how to live as disciples of Jesus. We're told to live wisely and to make the most of our time. And to do this, we are to ask God to fill us with God's spirit and to be in community with one another, being the church, and being filled with God's spirit and the community with each other is important because the book says, Ephesians says, the days are evil. And I would translate that to us also to say, sometimes life is just hard, and we need one another. And it says to not get drunk with wine, to protect yourselves from the pain of the reality of the world. I would say that don't anesthetize yourself. And there are many ways that we can do that. But lean into the hard times being filled with the Spirit of God, and in doing so, we will become stronger in our faith because of it. Because when we lean into the hard times, God can redeem them in our lives. The author says to make ourselves available to God singing psalms or singing prayers, spiritual songs, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a practical piece of scripture and so I'm going to preach a practical sermon today and I went to a practical book for a title to preach this Anne Lamott wrote a book some time back called Help Thanks Wow Three Ways of Praying and I think these three words when we keep them out in front of us gives us a way to live fully into our discipleship and to live as, uh, as gracious people. Now, I think the prayer for help, uh, whether it's from the Psalms or from hymns that we sing or from our congregational prayers or from our personal prayers, I think it is the most basic form of prayer. Richard Foster, Quaker theologian, calls it simple prayer. Not simplistic, but simple, being frank and straightforward. You don't use flowery speech when you're asking for help from God, do you? You just go to God with all you are and who you are. She says, so I pray for people who are hurting that they be filled with air and light because air and light heal. They somehow get into those dark, musty places like spiritual antibiotics. Offering a simple prayer, an authentic prayer for help is a prayer that doesn't assume a particular answer from God either. 
The prayer of help is not trying to get God to do our bidding. It's, it's God's job to prescribe what she calls the appropriate spiritual antibiotics. And whether it's for ourselves or praying for someone else, we're trust, to trust God that God will answer in God's good time. The psalmist prayed, Incline your ear, O Lord. Answer me, for I am poor and needy. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of trouble, I call on you, for I know you will answer. The psalmist prayed for help, and, and we do too. We pray for help in times of trouble, during our pain, during our grief, anger, during the anxiety, depression. The prayer of help is a powerful prayer. Lamont, who openly uh, talks about her demons and how they controlled her life, and about how, as they hurt her, how uh, it hurt the love, those who loved her. She says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, with no proof, that my grandfather prayed for me. And it turns out, she says, if one person is praying for you, buckle up, because things can happen. Now, Antoine Boysen was one person who had his own demons to live with. He had a, a theological education. And during World War I, he worked with the, uh, the YMCA in Europe, but then found himself floundering and wandering and drifting for a while. And he ended up in a mental institution. And the prognosis was not good. One night he lay on his cot on a screened-in porch, and the light of the moon made through the screen uh, made a shape of a cross. Well, at that time in his life, he could only see um, the sign of the cross as a tragedy for his life. But that evening, he said, his head turned, and dissipated, but the moon shined through uh, a hole in the screen. And he saw that hole as a sign of brokenness and God's light shining through, and he sensed a, uh, a beginning of healing in his life at that point. But the physicians didn't. They thought he was delusional. And so... Deciding that, since he was going to be in the hospital for the rest of his life, he thought that he should do something to make himself useful. So he made a choice that he was going to spend the rest of his life in the hospital helping others. So as he helped others, the uh, medical staff finally thought, well, this guy might be well. <laughs> and so they released him. But here's the thing. He returned to the hospital where he was a patient, and started a clinical training program for pastors. <clears throat> he started that training program, ministering to the patients through the pastor's work, and he called the patients a living human document where the pastors could learn about them and the pastors could help them learn that God was for them and would hear them. By the way, if a hospital chaplain has ever helped you in any way, Give a good word up for Antoine Boysen. Thank God for him. And just as Lamont's grandfather prayed for her, I know that people were praying for Antoine Boysen, um, people who loved him, the staff who cared for him, the church universal prayed for him. And I imagine his prayer might have gone something like, oh God, as I pray for help in my need, help me know how I might contribute to alleviate the pain in the lives of others. Bengali poet Tagore wrote, I slept, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. 
I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted, and behold, service was joy. In other words, the prayer for help is both a beginning place for our own healing and then to live into the healing of others. Henry Nowen called that being a wounded healer, where in our, um, in our pain, in our struggle, when we minister to others, we have our own healing taking place. The second of Lamont's prayers is that of thanks. To be sure, the prayer of thanks in itself is a, a prayer of gratitude. 13th century mystic Meister Eckhart prayed or said, if the only prayer we ever said in our entire lives was thank you, it would be enough. And if you've ever received an email from me, you've read that. That's a signature I have. There are so many things in our lives for which we can be grateful, and too often we remain silent about them. And one of the reasons for this is that praying thanks is not natural. We must learn to say thank you. Our children and our grandchildren, right? Do they have any problem asking for anything? Well, absolutely not. And then we help them, though, as we, if something is given to them, we say, and now what do you say? Thank you. The church reminds us when we gather for worship, when we celebrate the love of God through Christ, the church reminds us to say thank you. When we gather for worship and study and fun and fellowship, the church whispers in our ears, and now what do you say? Thank you. Another reason we might be silent with our gratitude is that even though we've been taught to say thank you, Somehow we allow the bad stuff to overwhelm the good stuff in our thoughts and feelings. Someone has said that the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences and like Teflon for positive ones. So we have to practice saying thank you. And part of our practice is surrendering to God those negative experiences that stand in the way of our relationship with God and with others. Lamont writes about a nun who kept begging God to take away her character defects, those negative parts of her being. After years of praying for this, God finally got back to the nun and said, I'm not going to take anything away from you. You have to give it to me. We must pray to God with open hands and open hearts, surrendering those things that stand in the way of our living a grateful life, living a life where we can be in relationship with God and with others. And sometimes, by the way, we need help doing this. I've had wonderful counselors and spiritual directors over my lifetime who have helped me <clears throat> let go of those things that stand in the way of my relationship with God and with others. And on my better days, I learned how to live graciously. Praying thankfully with a whole heart opens a new world to us we pray thankfully and we allow God to shape us and to form us. We pray thankfully and we become agents of change. We pray thankfully and we live to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Madeline Engel in her book Walking on Water says, We don't draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely, a light of thanks and gratitude, that they want to know with all their hearts the source of it. The last of Lamont's prayers is the prayer of wow. One of my favorite wow prayers 
is from the cartoon Ziggy. Ziggy's wonderful, isn't he? Ziggy is standing on an overlook and just soaking in the beauty of God's creation. And the caption has Ziggy saying, Go God! Now that's a wow prayer, isn't it? There was a daughter and a father, young daughter, flying from New York to Los Angeles. And the little girl was at a window. And she kept saying to her dad different things of, of wonder. Dad, look, there's a river. Dad, there's a farm down there, and I think I, think I see a barn. Daddy, Daddy, look at the hill down there, and look, there's a beautiful pond. I think I see ducks in the pond. And the father was reading a book, so you know what his answer was, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Until he became a little embarrassed by his daughter's excited and loud chatter. And the dad turned to the passenger seated nearby, and he said, please forgive my daughter. She still thinks everything is wonderful. How about us? Do we think life is wonderful? Are we living wonderfully? Are we living all fully? The psalmist writes a wonderful wow passage when he says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you suspended in space, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? The psalmist was talking about the majestic um, being of God. And yet, in all of that majesty, God says he loves us. He loves you. The prayers of wow should fill us with awe. It should fill us with a, a divinely inflated self-worth. With all the beauty and creation, God cares for us, each one of us. Carl Boberg it's time now, Stan. I caught Stan off guard in the first service. Carl Boberg had it right when he wrote the words to how great they are, didn't he? If you know the first stanza, I invite you to sing it with me. If you don't know it, just listen well at the majesty and the glory. Oh, oh. 